I'm for Gene Shepard, author, raconteur, and commentator of the contemporary scene. Here's Gene. Houston. A gas station attendant reported being robbed when a man threatened to throw a snake at him. Uh, says the Gail Williams said that the man approached, uh, oh, it's a, it's a her, it's a lady gas station attendant, appro- approached her booth at a self-service station Sunday with the snake draped around his neck and told her he would throw the snake at her unless she gave him all the money that uh, she had, at which point she did. Eighty bucks. The guy uh, said to the snake, yeah, okay, let's let's lamb, and he and the snake took off. Now, that's a great episode for Adam-12. Uh, <laughs> it really is. Here, for example, the typical example is madness on a political front. Big hassle going on out in uh, Milwaukee right now. Sixty pairs of State Representative Joseph Zerwinski's boxer shorts are holding up payment of a $150 dry-cleaning bill, uh, but apparently not much else. Zerwinski contends that Adelman Poly Prim Laundry and Dry Cleaners ruined the elastic in his boxer shorts. That, he says, is why he will not pay the $150 that he owes to cleaners. And we quote him, They hang about my kneecaps now, he said of the shorts. The elastic just went and they keep dropping down on my knees when I'm walking around. He said that... <laughs> All right, you know, it's, for one thing, I, the first question I have to ask, he's got 60 shorts, boxer shorts. I mean, you know, a politician or no, that's a lot of boxer shorts. Do you agree? And uh, what what also impresses me very much is that they went to the dry cleaners. I mean, I just bring up these little technical things. Now, that's that's high living. Uh, <laughs> to me, that's uh, that's living up you know, pretty near the top of the hog to send your boxer shorts to the dry cleaners. But uh, nevertheless, he's really bugged because the elastic went on him. Now. Uh, all of Milwaukee now is taking sides, and uh, it's gotten some nasty overtones. Uh, the yes, the uh, the uh, women livers are angry about the whole thing because obviously uh, the the boxer shorts are a mako image, and uh, oh, it's getting pretty pretty nasty the whole thing. But nevertheless, uh, every male I know is perfectly aware of the failing elastic problem on the top of shorts uh, no matter how dapper the person is he is aware of this problem now it may not have happened to him recently but he's very much aware of it although I remember one time I uh, was witness to a scene which uh, is one of the more cherished memories of my time uh, I was uh, I was getting on a bus on 5th Avenue and uh, I was waiting there it was around the 50th or 51st, down, right down there in the heart of the big money belt, you know, right in the heart of it all. See, I was on Fifth Avenue, 
And uh, I like to go over on Fifth Avenue once in a while and just stand around and breathe the air. It gives you a good feeling. And I'm I'm standing around <laughs> Fifth Avenue. It was a nice summer day, and there were a lot of people waiting to get on the bus. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon, and. Uh, the bus uh, is pulling in, so it's shunk, you know, they pull in up there. And about seven of them are right behind it. You know, they, as you know, buses are a herd creature. They, uh, they're much like the buffalo, not found singly. And uh, you may wait for three, four hours for a bus, and then suddenly 18 of them will arrive, all marked uh, 4th Street, all going to the same place, and each carrying one guy. So uh, <laughs> these, these buses come, shunk, you know, the guy rise up, right up there. And uh, at that point... People started to get on. So, you know, I'm, and I'm standing in the back there. I'm only going a few blocks, so I'm not going to push my way up the front. And they're all getting on. And uh, the bus is uh, not too packed. Let's say half full, roughly. And a uh, nice summer day. Breeze is blowing. It's a beautiful day. Classic New York day. And uh, a classic, I'll say. So uh, I'm uh, waiting <laughs> for my turn. You know, people are getting on. All of a sudden, I see coming out of this uh, store right back of me, an elegant lady-type store, you know, like... Uh, Oh, I don't know. I don't know it's Saks. There's one of those places, elegant place. And this this elegant girl, she comes running out, and uh, she sees the bus. And she wants the bus, so she comes running across the sidewalk. Oh wow! You know, she looked like uh, she looked like uh, oh some you know one of these great looking. Uh, I'll tell you, she looked a little bit like uh, Susanna York. You know, one of the more elegant English actress types. You know, she comes running out there, and I I stand aside very politely. See. And I said to the bus driver, I said, hold it, hold it. And he said, all right, Mac. He said, I see her coming. So I said, okay, fine. And so I'm waiting. She runs right in front of me. Just as she makes the turn, she makes a left-hand turn by me and starts to head towards the door. I see there was a sudden flurry of uh, a flash of, uh, of uh, well, it was a sort of an off-peach pink. There was a flash of something. And I see she has left her drawers right on the street there. They fell right down, and she ran right out of them. Well... <laughs> Well, now, at that point, there, there are several things that a gentleman has to face. Uh, one, the, the most first thing is to start laughing loudly, raucously. <laughs> you know, all right, that's the first, uh, that's instinctual. You agree? Well, uh, being a New York type uh, uh, man who has seen it all, uh, you, you have several other choices. One choice is to ignore it and get on the bus and sit nicely, uh, pretending that everything's cool. Now, uh, that is, uh, that takes great forbearance to do that. Uh, me, I'm not quite that hip. Uh, let's say I'm not quite that cool. So, without thinking, I did, I, 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 I'm, I'm really terrible now when I look back, and if that girl is listening tonight, I'm still sorry, baby. I'm really sorry. Without thinking, I, I scooped up these little things, which were, uh, uh, you know, kind of filmy and sort of uh, peach-colored and obviously expensive and exceedingly feminine. I just sort of scooped them up on the first bounce, the short hop, and uh, I just uh, hopped up on the uh, the bus the step there and into the door I go, and she's sitting right there, see, and looking like she didn't even know she'd lost them. And without thinking, I says, oh, excuse me, you lost these. And I, I handed them to her. Well, at that point, Three-quarters of the bus, you know, they look over, see. Because in New York, you don't ever give anybody back anything he loses. You quickly pocket it and go in the other direction, see. Well, I, right there, uh, got a lot of attention. And she, you know, she looked, she said, oh. And I sat there, <laughs> on the sidewalk, and, uh, <laughs> and I sat down, you know, and she says, oh. 
I'm sitting next to her now, what do you say? <laughs> For four blocks, I've just handed her drawers. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's a great way to break the ice. I might also add, it's a great way to create a new kind of ice. Uh, there was more ice between us than it would have been if I just normally got in and said, Hey, baby, where are you going? How about a date? You know, uh, or, uh, hey, baby, just reach out and, you know, uh, what did that guy say about that? <laughs> about the American system uh, uh, discourages you from going back to work? Well, I'm often discouraged when I go back to work. I don't know whether it's the American system. <laughs> I just, you know, speaking of work, you know, as, as long as you... If, I think there's nothing more universal than work. I mean, man is a working creature. Now, that doesn't mean that being out of work is not universal, too, but uh, let's face it, man from the very beginning of time started to move the rocks at one point in the cave to another point. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's work and uh, so eventually it became more and more complex and then they built a little cart from the carry the rocks on and then you had the beginning of the specialist you see uh, there were guys that only built carts to carry rocks on at first it was just a rock that they were concerned with and then another guy says hey listen that's a dumb looking thing you got there on the bottom of the cart and somebody said well if you're so damn smart why don't you do something better? He says, okay. So the next thing you know, you had the wheel specialist. He made wheels. And uh, the cart guy had to come to the wheel guy to get his cart fixed. Now, neither one of them were talking to the rock guy. You see, the rock guy, uh, who had all started the whole thing, he's beginning to be lost in the shuffle. Now, uh, at, at the next cave, of course, you had uh, uh, an, a really smart type. He's watching all this going on down the cave with the rocks. And with the cart and the wheels, see. And he says, you know, the trouble with you guys, you have to stop work, right? You have to stop moving the rocks around when it rains? Someone says, gee, that's right. He says, well, I've just figured out a way to, 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 so you guys can work at all times. And so he put the first convertible. Uh, <laughs> and he became the top specialist. And it, it just went from that time on. It just, you know, wound up with S.O. and and uh, devaluing the franc, and God knows where it's going to go, you know. Uh, yeah, it all started with a couple of guys doing something as simple as that. It really did. And, uh, of course, people are always pretending that they can get back to basics. That is about as realistic a dream as for you to dream that one day you personally can defeat gravity. You know... Uh, this is uh, uh, this uh, when you when you think of months, and uh, we all live uh, under one condition that that unites all men. Uh, no matter what uh, his background is, uh, what age he is, uh, what race he is, what sex, nationality, what uh, what anything the person is, we are united by one thing. We live in a vast, moving, mysterious, incomprehensible, almost, well, it is impossible to define thing called time. Would you please take a, uh, take a, uh, we need a little help out there. Has anybody got a dictionary? Look up the word time and just see how the dictionary defines time. <laughs> Just see how the dictionary defines it. I'm really fascinated by uh, how uh, you know various dictionaries def define things which are 
in a sense, uh, indefinable. Well, for example, if you're curious about that uh, field, uh, just look up love. See how the dictionary defines love. Uh, it's, uh, it's a, you'll find that it, it really doesn't fit your uh, experience of it. Uh, time, <laughs> time, time. See how the dictionary defines life. That's a, that's a good one. You give, Jim's bringing in the giant one from the newsroom. All right, let's see how they define time. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> you can see that, the, that when, the, when the people who put together this uh, Webster's Third International Unabridged Dictionary, which weighs 34 pounds soaking wet in its bikini uh, without its flyleaf, this is a real one, boy. This is a dictionary to kind of, you know, they put on display at the library and they say hands off. It's the kind that comes on a stand, you know, that they revolve and all that. Well, you can see that the dictionary ran afoul uh, of, of, a real, of a real reef, a genuine reef in the sea of lexicography because, well, time is defined. Let's see, they have exactly one entire column and a half. <laughs> and I might add, they define communism in less than a quarter of an inch. So, the, so to give you an idea how tough it is to define time, when the dictionary takes roughly, uh, well, I would say the average length of your average uh, New Yorker short story to define it, that means that they're flailing. That means they're deep in the weeds. And they've got that uh, they've got that sand wedge out, and they're hacking away, <laughs> hoping that the ball will fly out. Uh, they start out by saying, "Thank you for bringing this to me." Uh, it's and this is very tiny print. It says time, and then there's a lot of things obsolete, uh, not obsolete, in obsolete, adjective, mean time. Uh, more see it's a see later median time <laughs> about fifteen different kinds of time and then they start right out here it says a period set apart in some specified or implied way from others now that's fascinating to weep to laugh to mourn to dance. Hmm. Saturday evenings, traditional shopping for mill workers and farmers. Now, how's that for going around the barn door to try to define time? Well, I'm just, I, I, I'm not making the news, friends. I'm quoting Mr. Webster here, and he's, he's bigger in this field than uh, even Lara Wilson. Uh, you know, you know. <laughs> oh, it goes on and on and on. Listen to this one. Here's another little time. It says, uh, for private readings. Private readings. And, and then there's a parenthesis next to this. This is a very mysterious book. There's a parenthesis next to that. It says, Lucretius. Well, now you're going to have to get deep into Lucretius to find out why they referred to this in connection with private readings. Now the next question is you're going to look up Lucretius and they when you look it up it says see time and so you wind up going round and round but uh, here's another definition of it it says the length 
of the period required for or consumed in performing an action or going over a course. Winners was just under four minutes, for example. The train trip was two hours, for example. They're saying, you know, the time it took in that case. But they, they still have trouble uh, ultimately defining the word itself. They can only give you a lot of examples of how it's used. But the time has eluded people since the very beginning of, uh, of time, <laughs> if I can use that. And there's a theory, you know, that time is, a, is one of the only, is, is the only thing, really, that we have created. Time is a man-made creation. You say, what do you mean? It must. Do you think that it's August when no men exist? If you were to go to an uninhabited planet, and there's nobody there but you. Of course, the minute you arrived, it would be inhabited, see? So it's no way that we can define this. The minute that you can't conceive of an uninhabited planet, first of all, because the minute your mind is there, it's inhabited. But we, we're going to have to suspend all these philosophical ideas here <laughs> for a minute. But the, but the concept of time, you see, uh, is a thing which, um, which is baffled and... Uh, and it's been the subject of a lot of debates and endless, endless, boring, uh, wild afternoons spent in in the dormitory rooms arguing over things of this type. But time is still and remains one of the great indefinables. Often you can define time by what we consider the effects of it. For example, you will see the geological time for example people will say well that was the period when the great uh, carboniferous period when the coal was laid down that was a time but uh, was it a time or merely just a continuing course of evolutionary events that have no relationship to time as we think of it time <laughs> when you think of time you just just think about it for a minute. This is a subject very few people ever think about, except what time is it? Or what day are we going to? Or what day was that? I'm talking about the whole field of time thing. Now, if you, if you think about the months, which are units of time, based on certain uh, astronomical uh, convolutions of various uh, orbs that spin about, in astronomical uh, rigidity, in other words, the sun and the moon and the planets. Uh, when you think of time, except that they're not really rigid. See, that's that's another one of the problems. There is always a minute, indefin, almost a, an unmeasurable variation that uh, continues to happen. In other words, our our solar system is not uh, uh, static. Uh, expanding and one thing and another. So as you as you get into time, it's a very slippery subject. Uh, do you know that uh, that a lot of Einstein's theories about times were time was re were recently proven? Uh, the the idea that uh, if a body is moving rapidly enough, time is then different. That a clock put into a uh, into orbit, a very highly accurate clock, began to show differences in time. So that means really that as you approach the speed of light, uh, the faster and faster you go, uh, all of time begins to change drastically. And it's a, it's a logarithmic change, too, I think. It's not a straight-line change. 
So at a certain point, it, it, the curve goes up almost uh, vertically. Uh, not, it approaches the vertical, as we say in class. Uh, right? So uh, nevertheless, uh, when, you, when you're dealing with these things, you, know, you say to yourself, well, well, I hear now, everybody, of course, has his own, his own little clock going in his head at all times. And very private, not even parallel to your to your family, the people that are closest to you. You're constantly measuring little things in your head, and seeing things, perceiving things, so privately that there's no way to even tell other people about them. For example, I'll give you an example of that. Now, uh, a lot of people, uh, everybody perceives months very differently. If I were to say to you, what month? seems to be the rarest month that comes more rarely than other months? Or do they all come to you uh, n not one is rarer than the other? Does it seem to you that we have more Februarys than we have Augusts? Well, now, I'm not asking you to, to, to tell me what you know intellectually. I know intellectually, no. But does it seem to you that we have more Mondays than, say, Saturdays? Or does it seem that we're always having a weekend to you? Or does it, does it seem to you that Tuesday is rarer than, say, Friday? <laughs> now, these are, these are questions that, you know, you have to just let yourself go. You can't say, well, no, I know that there's only one Tuesday. <laughs> we know you know that, friend. But we're, we're talking about how you, how you feel a thing, how you perceive, feel it. Most people are not used to discussing how they feel a thing. They're used to uh, being asked how they feel about something. That's not the same. Because <laughs> Archie Bunker never sees that. So he says, what kind of a stupid comment is that? Why, it was last Tuesday, just one week ago, and this is Tuesday. Well, uh, <laughs> right, Archie. So, uh, see, Archie, one, one uh, characteristic of the Slav mind is it's extremely concrete. It, uh, it sticks to very definite concrete things. It, uh, it, it, it gets very confused. And by the way, thinks you're some kind of a dingbat. That's what a dingbat is. A dingbat gets into areas that are not concrete. That's called a dingbat. Well, listen to that dingbat on the radio. What kind of dingbat is that? Get Cousin Brucey again. So, see, he's, it's very concrete with Cousin Brucey. He's playing number 36 on this week's chart, not number 28 or number 419. Uh, it's, it's number 36, and it's exact. Well, nobody ever questions those numbers. They just take it you know, it's exact. So we make these arbitrary definitions of things. Uh, and we, we all agree, let's agree <laughs> not on this. We will agree. We will not argue that. If you do start, you're going to be the dingbat of the, of the neighborhoods. People say, how does, how does he know it's number 36? I mean, I never heard it before. It ain't number 36 with me. How can it be number 36? Uh, with who? Well, with him. And I said, what do you mean him? He had a, number, a, a different number 36 last week. So, you know, you just keep going around about time. But now, when you get on the subject of August now, uh, August, August seems to many people, I've heard other people say it, gee, it's hard to believe it's already August, they'll say. <laughs> well, they never say that about February. Nobody ever, uh, you know, no one ever says, gee, it's really hard to believe that it's November. No, because it seems to be always November. 
uh, it seems to me we just got through it in November. We got another November. So what the hell, you know? That's, uh, it's normal to be November. It's normal to be February. It's normal to be cold. Uh, it's normal to have rain. Uh, you know, it's, it's normal. And so all of a sudden, without any warning, along comes August. It's like, like, like there was a great beneficence placed down upon us. Now, August to, to many people, you know, means uh, vacation. This is one of the things. People measure their, their, their times by their own lives. It's vacation. But let me tell you, you know, August, August can have other connotations. As, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I spent, and, and August to me will always remain uh, heat. I always define August as heat time, real heat. I mean mean heat. I'm not talking about nice let's go out to the beach heat. I'm talking about heat. You know, the kind of kind of uh kind of heat that uh that uh, invariably they pull out boilerplate pictures in the newspapers, you know, in little towns like the Somerset Courier and uh, you know, a little paper. There's always a picture showing a little girl standing under a fire hydrant. Okay, <laughs> that picture has been repeated over and over again. Then there's another picture they always show, uh, and uh, this is the same kind uh, of the same type of picture. It shows a guy frying an egg on the sidewalk. Have you ever seen that one? We have all seen that one. Well, I, I one time when I was a kid, I'm going to tell you a story about heat. Heat is very definitely, like most other things in our lives, a matter of uh, of. Uh, I suppose uh, perspective that if you live in New York, you really do believe, and, and New Yorkers are the least uh, tolerant of weather people that I've ever known any place in the world, and I have traveled a great deal. New Yorkers believe that weather is basically a trick that is being played on them, probably by some mysterious wasp someplace. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's something to be fought. All weathermen on New York, no matter what the day is, apologize for that day. It's going to be better by the end of the week, they say, but we're going to have to get through this period. Uh, it's always a receding paradise. It's always off in the distance. It's like, it's like uh, at the dog races, when they have that mechanical rabbit ahead of you. The, the eternal perfect day is always just ahead of uh, any one of 15 weathermen named Roger. He, uh, he, 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 and he comes out and says, well, I, and they always turn to him, well, what are you doing to us today, you know? And he says, well, now, wait a minute, fellas, now, yes, that's true, yesterday it did this and that, see, it's a, it's a continuing morality play. We failed yesterday, it did rain, that's considered failure. Uh, <laughs> it got warm yesterday, that's another failure. It got cold yesterday, that's another failure. It, uh, was windy yesterday, that's another failure. I guess the eternal Possibly the only place where it would be perfect weather would be in a kind of a sealed, warm-like capsule that would be uh, constantly warmed and heated and light, lighted and cooled all at the same time. There's no, you know. So weather, I remember uh, it was August. I'm 16. I'm working in the steel mill. Great steel mill lying next to Lake Michigan. There was high blue sky every every day, and uh, I was working on the labor force. Now, how I got that, I don't want to even explain it to you. But I I uh, did a little hanky panky with the age, 
and I, I knew a couple of guys, and I was able to get a job on a labor team, and I was big for my age. I was, for one, playing football. I weighed uh, 200 pounds. I was uh, a biggie, see? And so there was no problem with getting, getting the age thing. And one day, <laughs> and I had this great job, see? I was running around the mill, you know, and I'd go in and out of air-conditioned offices. And one day, the uh, this uh, head of this labor team, he just called me in and he says, hey, he said, uh, how'd you like to pick up a couple extra days today, this week? I said, sure. He says, you pick up some tonnage, too. And I said, where? He says, well, okay. He says, take this blue slip down to down to personnel, and they'll send you over there. He says, I don't know where it is, but they tell me it's tonnage. So I run down with the blue slip, and five minutes later, I am in the 40-inch mill, which is a big rolling mill. Now, you've seen movies of great ingots being rolled. Boom. Those are called pigs in the mill. And they roll these ingots back and forth. Actually, the pig is the unrolled ingot before they roll it. It becomes an ingot after it's rolled. And they take these giant pigs that have been poured, and they bring them into a place called the 40-inch soaking pit, which is a heavy, deep pit dug in the ground. These things are white hot, and they lower these enormous 10-ton uh, pigs of iron great tons of iron, big blocks. They lower them down there where they cool slowly. It is a process of cooling them so they do not get little cracks in the integral structure of the steel. That's called a soaking pit. And of course you can figure that this great pit which is lined with stone is like hell itself. It's a dark black pit maybe 30 feet deep. And for two days, I was lowered into one of these pits wearing an asbestos suit and carrying a chipper, chipping away what they call shale at the bottom of this thing and being brought up on a stage, a little cage. that bring Your shoes would be on fire. Every two minutes, you'd be brought up. And it was August up there, 100 degrees. And when I would get up to the top, that felt cold. This is cold weather we're in, friends. <laughs> and it still feels nice and cool to me. I've never... See, once you've been in hell, you know. You've been listening to Gene Shepard, author, raconteur, and commentator on the contemporary scene. He 